Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another terrific edition of FNO InsureTech, dogs barking in the background. You have to smile, Rob. All kinds of weird things going on today. Welcome Lots to our dogs. crazy world. One of the big things going on today is Hurricane Adelia. That That is true. That hit this morning. Hurricane Adelia hit. Give us a quick rundown on it, Lee. Well, it hit, it hit Florida. It had grown to a Cat 4, and I think it made landfall as a Cat 3. But that's a major storm. Yeah. That's a major storm, and it hit up there in the Big Bend area. So now we're all just watching it. We're waiting uh-huh. to see after it passes through what happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. Super, very lightly populated area. Thank goodness. Um, we think uh, our good thoughts go out to. Yeah, thoughts and prayers out to everybody who is affected. People who live there. And we'll, of course, be responding to that as alacrity, our owner, sponsor, and employer. Yeah. Right? right? And all around, all around good guy. Right. Do you think people know what you do at alacrity? No, I don't think they do. We've never talked about what you do at Alacrity. No. Well, Is that because true. it's not interesting? <laughs> I, I think, nobody I think really we've wants talked to about it. I think have we've we talked though? about it. Have we really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I pay attention and I think we have, but. What about what I do at Alacrity? Have we ever talked about that? <laughs> we can't explain that. We can't explain that. That's that's a difficult one to explain. I'm I've worked with you for a long time. And I'm still trying to figure that. No, one out. what what's difficult to explain is why I still have a job. Yeah, no, that's what's difficult to explain. Well, I think I think you're a very special person and do something very special that I'm sure makes a big difference. I had a thought that came to my mind when you called me a special person, but I won't follow that up because okay. it would be not politically correct. Number one. Number well, two please is, don't. my main job is to be on this podcast with you and to keep you on track. Well, I appreciate that because I do I do sway sometimes. I think I do a really good job of it. You do a good job. You do a very in, good job. In fact, our audience will not hear, I don't think, in this episode where Lee asked a question that was um, out of bounds. I don't think it was out of bounds. I think she handled it very well. <laughs> she handled it <laughs> I did ask what the secret sauce was, and she deflected quite well. I thought that uh-huh. was a great, a great uh-huh. response. You know, it's interesting, everybody, when you're doing a podcast, in our industry anyways, when you kind of get up against that boundary between what people are willing to talk about and what they're not willing to talk about, about their businesses, you know, you all, we always try to get near that, that line, but we never cross it, never. Try not to. And the few times we have, we've been told that that's happening. And we had one of those on this interview. You won't hear it on the interview, but Lee crossed over the line and was got a smackdown. It was great. Well, it was know, great. You For those of us we who are the media, we got to try. <laughs> is that what it is? We're in the yeah. media. Uh-huh. We owe it to our listeners. We do. We owe it to the listeners. So you listen here, listeners, we're on your side. We're the media. We're here to get the right information that you need to make an informed decision. So let us tell you who we had in the hot seat today. Please. Bobby Colley's 
who is the chief growth officer at Coterie Insurance, is with us today. Yeah. I mean, Bobby comes on and she tells us all about Coterie. Not not too much of the inside information, but she is such a delight and she is a great interview. And we're going to get to learn all about what she does, what Coterie is, and how they're making a difference. And I want you to listen to this because Bobby's grasp of her job, of her business, of her clients, of where they're going, where they are, their value proposition is I dare say complete. It's really remarkable. This is an incredibly sharp person who we can all really learn from. Listen to this, listen carefully. And uh, so we'll turn to that. Let's get to our interview with Bobby Collies, Chief Growth Officer at Coterie Insurance. Hey everybody, we're here with our special guest today, a power woman in insurance, that's what I mean. They, the the information doesn't lie, and you're all going to see uh, why I said that in just a minute here, when we start talking to Bobby Collies, who's the chief growth officer at Coterie Coterie and Coterie Insurance, an old friend of the FNO InsureTech podcast. Great to have you here. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Excited to to jam and talk with you guys too. I'm, I'm going to be a whole lot of fun. Jam. Okay. That's awesome. Where, where are you coming to us from today? I am based in Wisconsin. I actually grew up in all of the regional mutual insurance carrier um, that, that exists in Wisconsin before I decided to jump over to the insure tech side. Where about in Wisconsin are you? So I'm about halfway between Milwaukee and Green Bay. The greater MSA is called Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Middle of nowhere is basically what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm an hour from a major airport. So how's that? Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That's a commitment. It is. It That's is. awesome. Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a hotbed. We just had somebody on the other day uh, from from Wisconsin. It seems like there's a lot of insurance going on up there. Can you explain why that is? Here's my hypothesis. There was just a lot of farms back in the day, like 100, 120 years ago, that needed insurance. So a lot of these little farmers got together and formed all these small mutual companies, which ultimately grew into bigger, better things. So you have a, a lot of mutual companies that have a decent amount of market share in the Midwest that are based out of Wisconsin. There's also within the ecosystem, there's also like AmFam Ventures. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's money there too. It's pretty remarkable place, Wisconsin. Yeah, it is. And absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think AmFam actually started as a, a farm insurance company too, like once upon a so. time. Yeah. I, yeah. I know that uh, in the day we used to do farm and ranch work for them. So I know that that's uh, part of their DNA for sure. Yeah. So let's jump in and talk about, let's start by talking about Coterie so that we can level set on that. Now we mentioned that we've had David McFarland on before. Who's David McFarland? David McFarland is our founder and CEO. There you go. And uh, an all-around great guy, and like a stud, like buff, like, like I mean, he, when you when you see David, it's like, did you just walk in from the gym? He did. He always <laughs> uh, he he boxes. He has like one of those, um, like what do you call it? Those ninja like obstacle courses in his basement. That he Does just, it really? Does yeah, it? yeah. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, David, he's he's my favorite um, recovering actuary that I've ever met. And, and the funny thing about David is, is you wouldn't know that any of what you just said about him because he's like the gentlest, nicest, soft-spoken man. 
yeah, he, he's very, um, his emotional intelligence is just as high as his, um, like true IQ, I think just, mm-hmm. yeah. Must be a pleasure yeah. working with him. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I can be super direct with him and not have to worry about any, any type of fallout. It's, uh-huh. it's yeah. Uh, I could see that. So then in case you haven't heard our episodes about Coterie or you don't know about Coterie, the chief growth officer, if anybody should be able to tell us it's her, is, is about to tell us about it. So please, it's all yours. Yeah. So my elevator pitch on Coterie is we are working hard to change the paradigm on how small micro commercial lines is transacted within the market. Truly, David's vision is to bring speed, simplicity, and service uh, to, to that segment Um, A segment that's typically underserved because um, agents feel like it's not worth their time, right? Like it takes a lot of time and energy to quote with multiple carriers to get a quote back on a $750 bop. Right. To get this much premium. Yeah. Yeah. What sold me on joining Coterie is the fact that our model basically gives an agent a bindable quote within seconds which ultimately means that not only does Coterie make money on this business, but our agents are able to make money, a significant amount more money and more margin off of the small commercial lines. Um, We're using multiple third-party data sources um, tied into a proprietary underwriting engine that allows us to take a name and an address, digest that, and return a quote almost instantly. Agents at this point in time are able to override certain fields if the, the data is wrong. We're building data credibility models around our, our data sources. So we're starting to understand which data points are most credible from which data vendors. Um, so our system's getting smarter over time. But yeah, it, it's been a blast. So there are many, 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 many companies that offer insurance to small businesses and to startups. We've, we've had some on the vouch, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, why are you special? Why should they do business with you? Yeah, well, I think right now our biggest value proposition is our our quote to bind. We've just made the unit economics on that small business a lot better. Currently, what's in the works, which I think we'll be able to actually like wave a flag on and say, yes, this is another value prop for us is our um, automated self-service capabilities. Um, That's currently under extreme development and is going to be a a major, have a major impact on not only furthering the unit economics for our agents, but also for Coterie. So over time, we can scale this thing to a point where we're we're all making money, right? And that's what the the ultimate goal is. Now, what is that? What do you mean by self-service? What what are you doing there? So we have, like right now, we have a a self-service certificate of insurance. So an agent or an insured can go and pull a a certificate of insurance instantly from their Coterie insurance policy. Um, We have some self-service stuff too that's been released around billing. Um, where agents and policyholders alike can do their own billing without even having to contact Coterie. Soon to roll out after that will be self-service endorsements. Um, obviously, those that are, are, are like of high volume um, will end up being self-service. In theory, at some point in time, I would love our agents just to sit back and drink a Mai Tai and not even have to worry about anything that has to do with small commercial we just rolled out this cool new, it's in beta right now, but it's called My Digital Agency, where basically an agent can white label and embed the Coterie insurance experience. So policyholders can access their website, quote to bind 24-7. Off of the agent's website? 
Yes, off uh-huh. of the agent's website. We're doing a little pre-qualification with that right now because in order for it to be successful, the agent has to know how to drive leads to their website in order for it to be fruitful. But over time right now, I have my team working on, um, I would say, <clears throat> smart lead gen um, to help drive traffic to the agent's website based on um, what Coterie is most likely to write and what the agency is really good at writing. Uh, and that will be something that I'm, I'm hopeful we'll be able to roll out in 2024. How exciting. So so what insured is the right insured for Coterie? Is it a restaurant owner? I mean, dry cleaners, a gig worker? Who's a good insurer for Coterie? Yeah. Um, a majority of our business right now, um, when I look at our top classes, they're contracting, um, office, retail, and then restaurant ho- hospitality. Uh, about 85% of our business has four or less employees. The rest have more. We are moving up market though. Like our, our average premium per policy has almost doubled since I joined Coterie um, in March of last year. Good job. Yeah. So we're writing, we're writing larger risks. We took some rate, which was needed right in December. Um, we'll probably take another rate increase in early 2024 um, to help support all the inflationary things we all know exist in our in our world. But are you regulated? I mean, can you just take rate if you want to, or do you have to answer to somebody? No, we're we're right now we're writing on all admitted paper, so we're answering. Exactly. Yep, we're we're answering to all of the DOIs, and uh-huh. the way we're set up, guys, is we're basically operating like we're a full stack carrier as an MGA. We just don't have the policyholder surplus in the bank to stand up our own carrier. So who is the the distribution channel? Is it independent agents or do or is there a network of agents you work with? Yeah, so this is this is fun cuz I I know Rob, you had kind of touched on this before we started the podcast. When I, when I joined Coterie, we would basically take any agent as a licensed agent for Coterie that had a pulse. So if you (laughs) came to Coterie and you wanted to write with us, man, like here's a contract, write with us. But as we started to understand our our product market fit and our value prop within the market, we really used the, I would say the middle half of last year to put together a full-fledged distribution strategy. So a majority of our business is through the independent agency channel. A lot of that is coming through networks and wholesale markets. Although we do have a lot of what I would say direct contracts through independent agents, we have a ton of more business coming through those larger partnerships and wholesale and network. The other fun thing is I think one of our, our value pops is how easy our API is to integrate with. Oh, okay. When I joined Coterie again in March of last year, about 40% of our business, new business was coming through API. Now that's probably closer to 75, 80%. Um, wow. That's through API partnerships. Yeah. So those could be direct integrations or integrations with what I call commercial lines enablers that, you know, some of the, the comp raters, the marketplaces, that type of thing. Give us an example of a yeah somewhere where your API would exist. We're in Bull, Bull Penguin, Tarmica, um, Talage, um, Breeza, um, SMC, like all of the, the small commercial lines comparative raters. Um, we also have seen some... Um, new integrations come through on what I would say technology companies that are trying to enable the embedded experience for independent agents. Um, so it's a little bit different in where it's it's an embedded solution, but it's through an independent agency. It's not direct. Uh, and that's very early in adop- adoption. So I would say like the the success there is to be determined, but it's been it's been fun to experiment. We talked to David about 
about Coterie being embedded in in QuickBooks and different systems like that. Is that still a, a is that still something you do today? Yeah. So one of the trends that we saw um, coming into 2023 was uh, an extreme focus on core operations for a lot of businesses, just because of macroeconomics and the economy. Make some money, damn it. Yeah, yeah. And so all this ancillary stuff that people were experimenting with as potential different revenue generators was kind of shut down. So we do have a relationship with Intuit QuickBooks. It's looking a little bit different than it was before. Um, Not necessarily like a flow, but more of a a, a data uh, relationship. I think that that embedded relationship could um, come back to fruition over time. Um, But to be honest with you, like late last year, early this year, all of those leads on what I would consider to be more like direct embedded um, really fizzled out. And, And even before then, we were seeing extreme growth coming through the independent agency channel more than anywhere else. So we've been really working hard more to support independent agents that want to embed versus us trying to do the embedded relationships ourselves. And when you say want to embed, that is that they, you use the API to put it on their website. Yeah. Or independent agents are using some of those enablement partners to help them embed their experience within another website. Right. And so in some ways it gives independent agents more optionality because if they have more carriers on API than just Coterie, when we decline, someone else might say yes, mm-hmm. um, which which ultimately leads to a better experience for that embedded partner too. Sure. And they yeah. want that because they don't want the prospect to walk away. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yep. So I want to talk for a minute about being a chief growth officer because, I mean, in just listening to you for a few minutes, I think Lee would agree. We've had other chief revenue officers on. I mean, you sound very well educated in it. So tell us a little bit about why that is, or did you just wake up one morning and have all this vast <laughs> knowledge? It's a Wisconsin thing. I mean, you know, yeah. you live in Wisconsin. I mean, you live in the insurance capital of the United States. So yeah. Well, first, thanks for the compliment. I appreciate that. Sure, um, I mean it. I'm serious. I I think I've just been very fortunate in my journey and my career to be in the right place at the right time to gain the knowledge that I have today. My job at Coterie is not only to help us grow, but to make sure we grow profitably. So uh, I have the underwriting division as well as the sales and marketing team um, under my leadership. And more of my career has been spent in commercial lines underwriting than it has been spent on business development, marketing, and growth. So you're an insurance person. I am an insurance nerd to the T. I think I get more excited sometimes about some of the automated underwriting that we're doing than um, when we sign a, a new big partner, which um, I love the new big partnerships and those, those whale killing things, but uh, insurance has just been ingrained in me. And so twofold, I was fortunate enough to work with some very large partners in my last gig um, on the legacy carrier side. So there's just a lot of relationship building and networking that I was exposed to. I also feel like I was very early in my career, I was exposed to um, strategic planning and thinking strategically as an insurance professional, which ultimately at Coterie, what I've noticed is that strategy has to change a lot more quickly um, in a startup because of multiple things changing around you, right? I was off of work for a week Earlier this month, I felt like I missed a month of, of change at Coterie. <laughs> it goes so fast. Everything changes so quick, I would imagine. It does. Absolutely does. Yeah. I mean, until you guys are kind of done, 
you have to be so responsive to all these other factors. And this is not just Codery, it's all startups. You're being pushed around, yep. right? And pulled around, pulled yep. and pushed. And not the least of which I, I know are, are your venture backers who are like tapping their foot, you know? Yeah. On the ground. Well, you know, what I will say is our venture backers are awesome to work with. Um, I think that they've done a really good job of appropriately challenging us as a team um, without being crazy about it, which has mm -hmm. been refreshing. And then, you know, we have, we have large partnerships, right, that we want to make sure that we keep happy because they're producing for us um, at scale on a regular basis. I, I would say one of the things that um, we can hang our hat on for now is we just have a really great diversification of our distribution portfolio. Um, so we're not heavily reliant on any one partner, um, which wasn't necessarily the case when I joined. And um, we are diversified as such. If if the market, you know, for some reason turns in wholesale, we have uh, a big enough direct and a big enough um, network um, to work with where we won't be heavily impacted by any swift changes in any one I would call sub-channel of the independent agency channel. That makes sense. I want to go back to where you were talking about how you also oversee the underwriting side. Right, right. Whenever yeah. I think about growth officers, chief growth officer, I think about the marketing side. I think about the sales. I don't think about somebody overseeing the underwriting. What yeah. What do you do there? What does that look like? So right now, it's a lot of it's a lot of I would say roadmap building on what what do we need to do to our insurance product in order to drive growth for us moving forward, as well as protecting our loss ratio. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's an interesting balance. I think it's a hybrid role that you don't see very often because usually they're in right. conflict with one another. Typically. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, um, uh, primarily underwriting in my career, I, I developed this reputation for fixing books of business, right? So anything that was a pile of junk and it was on fire, Bobby come in, you figure out how to fix it and bring it back to profitability. When I look at my underwriting team today at Coterie, all of them are probably a little bit more or a little bit less conservative than what I would be from an underwriting perspective. So really trying to push because we have this in the box auto automated underwriting engine, really trying to push um, being conservative, especially when the insured techs ahead of us have really blown up loss ratios. I, I want to make sure that we really keep that contained. On the other side, which is really cool, every single one of my senior most leaders on the growth team has underwriting background. So they're coming even to my underwriters and saying, hey, like we're seeing this partner write way too many convenience stores. Will you dig into that? I'm not feeling comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. So there's this nice like kind of push and pull between all of my team members, which is amazing. It's just a really fun dynamic to watch and to, to lead through. It's been interesting for us being around in this space for the years that we have, seeing how companies like your, yourself and others, insurtechs, have grown up, right? Yeah. Because you grow up or you blow up. Maybe I, I should probably copyright that. You absolutely should. I absolutely should. <laughs> you should. Let's I just, hope it's not already copyrighted. It probably is. Anyways, like, I mean, we're seeing it today. I mean, I mean, we have carriers that insure techs that are pausing on writing altogether that are trying to catch up that are writing at, you know, 200 combined ratios. And it's, of course, unsustainable. Yeah, of course. And, and there's a lot of hope and prayer for the future. 
but the future is here now, right? And if and if you buy business, you're buy, you're doing just that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so it's very funny. I I love the story that like I'm looking at your resume. You've been, I mean, you were an underwriter for 11 years, what I see, right, or something yeah. like that, a long time. But you're an insurance person who's come to insure tech, as opposed to a technology person who's come to insure tech. And there's something the matter with that. But I, I don't care what the technology is. You have to know what's going on in insurance or it will eat you up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and the funny thing there is we, our team is pretty balanced from a senior leadership side. Um, about half of us are from insurance and the other half are from tech. So I see more of the push and pull there between the tech and the insurance minds than I do between the underwriting and the growth minds. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And how's that going? Tell us about that push pull between tech and and insurance. You know, if if I rewind to back when I was like a director in underwriting and dealing with sales directors, it's very similar. It's just it's grown from the insurance growth you know, butting heads to the, t the tech and the, the business side butting heads. And a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, business needs versus agile development. And how does that work into an industry that is very dependent on dates, right? Like I'm filing a new rate for one, one, like that absolutely has to be done by then. So, but it also opens up, I think just the insurance business person's mind to thinking a little bit more like a, a tech agile versus legacy. We need to take, you know, 20 years to make a decision before we can move forward. Um, we're making decisions faster because the tech is the tech side is really, you know, kind of influencing faster decision-making out of the business. Do you go out and find agents? How, how, how does that happen? So the fun thing about where Coterie is positioned right now is we have our, the demand for our product is, is larger than the supply. And when, it, when I talk Ooh, about the supply, no, it's fun. <laughs> wow. when I talk about the supply, I talk about, so controlled growth. I don't want to grow so fast that we end up with a profitability issue that we couldn't recognize soon enough to rectify proactively. Mm -hmm. And then secondarily is the servicing and the service automation side. So with those two pieces, we've been controlling our growth. Uh, we do have a high demand for our product. We have uh, a lineup, kind of a lineup of agents just waiting to get onboarded and activated. Um, but we do have, I would say, about three people that are, their full-time job is to um, hunt and, and onboard and activate agents. And then we have two other folks where a smaller portion of their job is hunting for like big whale um, type of opportunities. But Like Amyon like really or... Yeah. The majors. Yeah. The, the big, big ones. We have a pretty lean acquisition team, in my opinion. And we've been very fortunate enough to have such a great product, product market fit that once an agency is a demo, they're super impressed and they just want to sign up. Do you pick and choose where you want to write? I mean, like, like the, these states are more interesting to us than these states. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. Rob, we're actually just kind of building out our product mix growth plan for 2024. So from the from the insurance side, similar to what it looked like when I first joined, like we were just taking what we could get, right? And um, that was happening for a while in insurance. Like let's just let's just grow where we can grow. But now we're we're really starting to dissect that and get very 
intentional about we need to grow faster in these areas than in these areas for diversification of portfolio and cast strategy, or we want to grow these classes faster than these classes because we're seeing too many restaurants, as an example, come through. Um, where we want to kind of balance out the casualty exposure that comes with restaurants on liquor and slip and falls with some, I would say, like easier um, appetite classes, lower loss ratio classes. So we're really starting to get enough critical mass within our book to start to make those those decisions around mix of business and then start to drive that through our growth team and through through our partners. We have several partners who have national presence or multi-state presence where we can tell them, you know, push the pedal down here and tap the brakes here and help us manage our portfolio. So what do you mean by the demand is greater than the supply? I could sign up a lot more agents on a monthly basis than I do today, but I, I, I choose not to. And we have our team like really kind of metered in our, in our growth and how many new producers we activate. So we don't grow so fast that we break the servicing side or our profitability. And is that because word gets out organically or you're marketing heavily and that's just a wide net? I mean, how, how does that happen? I think um, organically during the first quarter, last quarter, first quarter of this year, um, word had started to spread where we're not quite hunting as hard as we used to in the past, but more triaging what's coming in uh-huh. um, than we have been. So it's it's fun. It's a great position to be in. <laughs> For a chief growth officer to be able to be choosy, if I'm using the right word, yeah. is like kind of a dream, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. We, we, we don't want your business. <laughs> In a very nice tone, of course. Yes, absolutely. Uh huh. So I want to shift gears for a second here, and talk about that that whole side of the business. And so we're we're very involved in target markets. I shouldn't say we are involved in target markets. Lee's involved in target markets, aren't you, Lee? I am. I am. Are you I'm going involved. to target markets? Yeah, yeah, target market conference, target market discussions, things like that. What mm-hmm. about y'all, Bobby? Is that something that, that y'all attend? Yeah, I won't be there this year, but we will have um, two folks from our team attending, um, mostly around just looking for uh, additional capacity partners, right? Um, so, like one of our one of our barriers to growth is not only like servicing and. Yeah. Um, yeah, but over time, but it's just like, what's our capacity from our fronting carrier partnerships? So there'll be some additional discovery that goes on there. If anybody's listening in and it's going to be at Target Markets, and it's like, yeah, Coterie, I want to talk to them. Feel free to reach out to me and I'll make sure that I um, broker a meeting between you and the folks that are going to be there from Coterie. I think that's really important because a lot of people don't realize that getting the the capacity is this whole hidden thing. To, to writing insurance, you have to be able to have the, the reinsurance and the funding to be able to write these these policies. And I think a lot of people go to target market for that so that they can meet these these other entities who can issue additional capacities. And it sounds like like that's something y'all are doing there. Yeah, that's probably that's going to be the primary goal. I think um, ancillary to that is even some of the work that you're doing, Lee. Like, are there different firms that we should consider as part of our, you know, our tech stack or our servicing right. stack that would make sense to integrate into the Coterie model. But yeah, I think those are two top of top of mind things when I think about target markets for Coterie and, and what we'll leverage it for this year. Yeah. yeah, I know that I know that like you guys recently did a deal with Zesty, Zesty yep. AI. Yep. What what's that about? So Zesty is um, now within our portfolio of data vendors. So when we 
have that name and address entered into our, our, our dashboard or if it comes through our um, API calls, um, Zesty will be one of the third-party data sources that we call for both underwriting and rating information. Yeah, so we have, I think, 11 right now that are, are in the lineup. Um, we'll be looking to continue to iterate on that, whether we add new ones or you know retire some that aren't working well for us. Um, that will be something that we can t- continue to refine um, through, our, through our data organization. At yeah, I, <laughs> it must be interesting figuring out and sometimes sad figuring out when you have data that's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> because that's expensive. I would think typically. Yeah, it's expensive in the short run, but I think over time it will help us scale. What's fun is we're collecting data on which fields are overridden most often by agents. So then we Mm. consider those to be of low credibility Mm -hmm. and which fields aren't being overridden at all by agents. And at some point in time, um, I I envision that there'll be some fields that are locked down because we know that with, you know, 99% certainty that the data here is, is right. And is probably more accurate than what a human could give us um, through our portal. If you're at a conference like target market, you're meeting with carriers or fronting carriers or whatever you guys call them, capacity providers, what's important to them that you guys are underwriting? Well, is that kind of their number one concern? Yeah, it really comes down to them understanding what's behind the automated underwriting engine, what kind of rules that we're using, and making sure that our underwriting rules align with their philosophy. Like full transparency, some of the more legacy um, partnerships that are out there are very, very legacy driven from an underwriting philosophy standpoint. So those sales are a little bit more difficult because it is a, a very different way of underwriting risk that I think our industry just hasn't gone through the change management curve in really believing that it works. So, you know, I was just thinking, why don't we talk a little bit about you? You have been underwriting since what, 2003, I think I read. So you've you've seen over almost for 20 years, you've been in and around underwriting. How has underwriting changed with the increase in technology and APIs? How, I mean, has it, has it changed? What do you see? Well, so when I first started as an underwriter, um, I remember ingesting change requests on carbon copy paper that came through the mail. (laughs) So just the speed at which we get information to underwrite is faster, right? Um, Just through the different through the different channels. I also recall when predictive modeling was first introduced to underwriting, and that was predictive modeling just on, on basically your your discretionary pricing, right? So this risk is is less likely to have a loss, so you can feel more comfortable putting credits on it versus this risk is more likely to have a loss, so you should put debits on it, but still within the acceptable acceptability. Um, I think the trend over the last five years, which coders kind of cracked the code on, but a lot of carriers are trying to catch up to, is like how do we determine which underwriting questions are actually relevant and drive claims yeah, yeah. issues, and which ones can we eliminate? So I think everybody right now is trying to be like, how do we ask the least amount of questions as possible right. to provide a quote that's findable? Right. How do I do it in four questions? Which to me seems silly. Is that really possible? Yes. At least on a small micro commercial, I think it'll take us longer to get to middle market because the data is not as available mm-hmm. um, for us to pull from third-party data sources. But a majority of the underwriting inputs that are needed for small commercial lines 
uh, you can pull from a third-party data source today. What what is important? What is important whenever underwriting a small commercial? I'm going to refrain from answering that because I think that's part of our IP. <laughs> hey, good, good answer. That was a test. That was a test. Hey, sorry. <laughs> Can't take me anywhere. You know, one of the fun things that I discovered um, at my last legacy carrier when we were doing an integration with a, a, a comp rater for commercial lines was like, literally, Bobby, your carrier is asking this question and every single time the agent answers yes. Every time, 100% of the time they answer yes. So even if the answer really is no, they're still lying and saying yes, or they're ignorant and they're saying yes. So why don't you just remove this question from your question set? And I think that's something that all of the, the comp raters are kind of forcing and pushing on to carriers to review those questions where this, this question is literally answered this way 95% or more of the time. Do you really need an answer to it? Or can you just assume it's a yes or no? Right. I want to ask you a question about disruption. When we started the podcast, that was a word you heard a lot. And it was a word that you heard that we heard people that we were interviewing say, right? Yeah. We're going to disrupt insurance. What, what's your take on that now in 2023? Companies like Coterie may have, I'm not saying you did or you were, but insurtechs like Coterie certainly could have been those who said, oh yeah, we're going to disrupt insurance. Yeah. Is that how you look at it? Or is it just, we're just doing it in a more modern, more efficient, more clever way. What, how do you how do you look at that? I think I think disruption is hard, Rob, because we are so heavily regulated, and there's five five or fifty different departments of insurance that all have different rules that we have to abide by, right? Mm-hmm. So outside of disruption, I would I would just. I would frame it in the thought process of influencing rapid change uh, as quickly as possible. I think the ability to disrupt is, is almost not impossible in our industry just because of how much is regulated and because there are so many uh, different players that have a say in how you you price, you rate, and you distribute business. Like If you think about Cotery itself as an MGA, we have three fronting carriers, reinsurance, 50 departments of insurance, um, our own underwriting biases within our doors, and then um, market opportunity. All of those things play a part in that. So to completely disrupt is almost impossible. But I think we have figured out a way to influence meaningful change within a a small segment of the market um, and kind of change the paradigm at which agents do business. But have we completely blown it up and disrupted it? No. (laughs) <laughs> we're still doing the filings the same way we always had to, right? And it's just, it's it's the piece, I think, of the the experience for both agents and insureds that we've we've solved for taking, putting, injecting the most efficiency in the, the quote to bind experience where a lot of the money was being lost. And then secondarily, where there's more waste is in the servicing side. And that's where we're, that's our, our second solve that we're working on right now. So I'll, I'll use the term that you just, that you just said. Do you think that meaningful change is a better word than disruption? I think so. Meaningful change is actually two <laughs> words, Rob. <laughs> Good job, but, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Really. No, no, I'm, I'm here all weekend. Um, <laughs> that's a better phrase. Yeah. I mean, disruption, um, I think it, it just causes defensiveness, right? Especially with legacy carriers like, oh, you're not going to. And then yeah. it, 
Right. Um, if, if we talk about meaningful change, that is a collaborative um, term that I think we can all get behind. And, you know, I'm right now I'm having discovery calls with some legacy carriers around just, you know, strategic conversations and, and you know, how we might be able to help each other three to five years from now. Right. And how do we plan for that? Because what's been inhibitive of the legacy carriers making progress is all these stinking core system transformations they're going through. Yeah. And they get locked in this three to 10 year um, time frame where they can't do anything. Yeah. They literally can't do anything, but, but do like um, parity, right. They're moving from one system to another and parity. And I, I think in the next five years or so, three to five years, we're going to see a lot of them come out of that, but they're going to come out of this core system transformation and, and ready to play and I think that there are a lot of opportunities for partnership, not necessarily like disruptive, combative players in the marketplace. Do you see those type of carriers at target markets? Are you talking to those kind of carriers who've come out of the transition? Not yet. Um, I'm talking to more friendlies based on my network. I think right. that will be like a 2024 conversation once I get you know, a little bit more discovery done with what I would call my friendly um, network of carriers. And then 24 will have more meaningful discussions around, mm-hmm. around that type of stuff. Right. But as we all know, in the insurance industry, you can have enough relationships to make a business. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. To use up all your capacity, whatever you're selling or whatever product you're providing. That's what an intensely important, uh, reality relationships are in our industry. Yeah. It's pretty terrific, actually. It's super terrific. And I will tell you, I haven't even tapped into like my next layer of my network um, for independent agency growth. Like we we haven't even had to get to that level yet. So that's amazing. Yeah. So if, if I think about like rekindling those relationships over the next year, 18 months, um, there's a lot of upside. Well, we don't know your other C-level people at, at Coterie, but I'm sure I speak for David McFarlane when I say that he must love you. We get along pretty well. And- I mean, you're, <laughs> you're smart, you're experienced, you understand you understand the insurance side well. And, and gosh, I remember so many insurtechs saying to us, we're not an insurance company, we're a tech, not, we're a tech company. And I understand that, but because it's such a bizarre, weird product. What other product is like insurance? Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Banking exactly. is the closest. Banking is the closest and it's not that close, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that close. Right. You don't give the bank money and not expect to get it back. Right. You're not betting with the bank, which you are with insurance companies. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'll bet that much money that We'll be okay. And the insurance company's like, yeah, I'll charge, I'll bet this much money. You won't have a claim. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty cool. Well, we've, oh, what a pleasure to have you on. This has been, this has been great. It has been great. Thanks guys. Always enjoy um, just the floor to tell the coterie story as well as talk to other insurance nerds like me. I, this, this fills my cup. So you filled my cup for the week. I'm, I'm full of energy and ready to go. That's great <laughs> well, to hear. You also, please put in a plug for your podcast that you're competing against us with. Oh, Shame. <laughs> oh my gosh. Shame. Shame. Um, 
uh, Coterie's podcast is called And I Quote. Um, you can find our episodes through our website or on YouTube. Uh, I was a co-host this um, season along with um, Ashley from my team, Ashley Burden. So um, there's some really good content out there. Not quite maybe as good as FNO and SureTech, oh, but no. almost just as good. No, too <laughs> kind. Too kind. I think we can all just take a moment and recognize that. But... <laughs> I, but one of the reasons that I had to have you say that or to plug it was, I love the name. Yeah. And I quote, I actually don't even know who came up with that. That was already established by the time I joined Coterie. So I'll have to figure that out and give some kudos. It's a yeah. great play. Great play. Please say hi to David for us. I will. Yes. Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure he says hi right back. And thank you again for the opportunity to highlight Coterie. And in a year or so, we'd love to have you back and, and, and hear about, you know, this great, deal where you have more demand than supply. Yes. I, I hope that storyline continues and I, I would love to come back next year at this time. Okay. We love it. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Bobby. You know, one of the great things about doing this podcast is we get to be around super smart people. Yeah. She's a super smart person. She is a super smart person and she is a delight to visit with. I could tell she just has this this bubbly joy in that she really enjoys what she's doing. Totally. That that always makes for a great totally. interview. Her grasp of the market and what yeah. she's doing is awesome. It is. It is. She knows she knows what she's doing and she has a big job looking big at job. not only the growth of the company but with an underwriting. underwriting. I mean, yeah. That's a big job. Big job. Big yeah. job. Could you do that? No, probably not. I don't think so. I don't no. think so. Could she I did. do it? No, no I don't absolutely think, no. not. But <laughs> but she can. Absolutely not. She can. But you, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely. Uh, more accurate, I wouldn't want to. So, yeah. because it's too much. It's a big so, job. I'm glad that Bobby's there to to handle that. And uh, all the way from Wisconsin. And we're glad you guys were all with us today. We're glad we have two producers who help us to do everything so that we can basically be lazy. <laughs> and I even thank Lee Boyd, even though he's been very mean to me today. I have been so nice. You're the You've one been who's been so mean. mean. You're looking oh my for God. a fight. It's like you woke up this morning looking for a fight. Oh my God, so mean. So until next time. Goodbye, everybody.